0: You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach. I'm a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. On this show, we're working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. So today, the letter is L, and L is for LGBTQIA+. (laughs) Joining me today is Ray Spannon. He's been an organizer, writer, educator, speaker, and activist in the LGBTQ All the Letters Alphabet Plus community, leather, kink, polyamory, HIV, and STI prevention realms since 1973. He's authored two books, been published extensively, and has spoken to hundreds of audiences. He created the world's largest kink-friendly psychotherapist and medical referral service and led the DSM project that yielded beneficial changes in the way psychotherapy views BDSM. Race also founded a groundbreaking alternative sexuality publishing company, was an internet radio sex talk show host, received national and local awards, appeared in numerous documentaries, and currently writes for the Bay Area Reporter. His blog is www.bannon.com. Welcome to the show, Race. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. I wanted to start with a bit of history because someone on Facebook, when we announced we were doing this, has already requested... That we talk about why keeping the orders of the letter letters is important. So adding letters to the end but not changing the order is important. So yeah, the I, I'm old enough to go back
2: to when our communities, and I always use the plural because we're a blend of communities, but I'll say community, um, was really identified by the gay liberation front, the gay liberation movement. Yep. And we didn't have the letters. And over time, the letters emerged. And in the original iterations of the acronym, um, GLB, GBL, whatever people were using at the time, because it kind of got mixed up, um, was seen as a tip to gay men taking priority in many instances. And there was a time, uh, especially around the 80s and at the height of the AIDS crisis, this is my take on it that there was awareness that that lesbians were at the forefront of caring for gay men um, during that crisis. And as I remember, that was the tipping point of the discussion about maybe we should um, honor that in some way by putting the L, lesbians, in front of the G. And to the best of my recollection, that was how it came about. There was some consternation and some churn, as yeah. you can imagine, because ordering matters to many people. Uh, Ultimately, uh, we are a one big community, (laughs) and the order doesn't really matter too much to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I always find it interesting that the the discussions that go on around whether we add letters or we don't add letters, um, and how unwieldy the letters have gotten, and understanding as somebody who um, these days uh, identifies as queer, um, but in the Politically, will identify as bisexual because of bi erasure. Um, yeah. You know that that's a thing, and it's important. And the same thing for trans. But there does come a point where I think that it becomes so unwieldy that we actually alienate people that are not part of the communities, and that's not what we want to do. We want to be communicating outwards um, and dialoguing. And I think and I'm not sure what the answer to that is.
2: I'm not sure what it is either. And, and you talk about bi which is absolutely a thing. I've even contended that if we wanted to honor a group that is uh, underrepresented in the discourse, that we should put the B first. <laughs> because if you think about how many people are in those communities... Um, there are, I would contend, there are a lot more bisexuals than they are people who err strongly on the side of lesbian or gay on that spectrum. So that's just my two cents. I'm not, I am not advocating for changing it. No, I, but- let's just keep it where it is. And I also think that it's not uh, unusual that the LGBTQ acronym has really stuck because people look at the Q as kind of uh, an umbrella acronym around which many um, subsets fall rather than having all the letters after the LGBT. Um, it does seem, and even if you go to Twitter now, LGBT was the hashtag for a long time. Now the predominant hashtag is LGBTQ. Yeah. That seems to have, have stuck with us.
1: And I, you know, it's interesting. I'm at, I'm at TED this week in Vancouver, and um, and I'm on my badge it says, Ask me about sex. Um, and so people are asking. So I've ended up in lots of discussions. And last night, myself and a sex therapist hosted a dinner called Ask a Sex Therapist. And uh, one of the things that came up was the was the concept of bi erasure um, and the difficulty that um, bisexual folks find in both heterosexual and gay spaces. And this other person uses queer as well. And it was put to me that actually using queer kind of plays into the erasure somewhat.
2: Oh, that's an interesting um, perspective, and I can understand that perspective because bisexuality is um, definitively clear, whereas queer is a little mushy. Well, yeah. So I, I, I get that. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's a little mushy intentionally, and 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 maybe it needs to be because. The idea of queer, in in my understanding, everyone's going to define it differently, is that it allows self identification and self expression, um, outside of any boundaries. Yes. And therefore, it it needs to necessarily be a little amorphous—a term, um, other than bisexual, actually says specifically what you're, you mean. So I can right. understand that.
1: And and I guess when I started out, I would I identified as bisexual because that's what that's where I thought I was, but um, truly. For me, attraction isn't about gender, so queer actually fits more. For me, attraction's about power, so that that's where my attractions lie, and gender really doesn't matter. But and and it, but then it becomes difficult because people don't recognize that easily. Um, I know there's research, and I know that in, in some communities we talk about the dominant submissive spectrum as a sexuality, but it's not generally understood that way. So. It's just much easier to say queer and then explain where you are.
2: Yeah, you'll find it funny. Uh, my, my ex, who's still one of my, my closest friends, who is um, a psychotherapist, uh, said to me once, oh, well, you're a functional bisexual. Because I can perform with women and have. Um, on rare occasion, I've played with women in the past, and even though I identify primarily as gay. and so, But I remember, this is many years ago, mind you, I was aghast. No, I'm gay. I'm not bisexual. <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> but he said, but you're a functional bisexual. It was, he was being very clinical about it. <laughs> but but it, it, you will find that a little bit amusing that um, I, was, I, was, I was labeled with the bisexual moniker.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but it's interesting because nowadays, I, I think people who do not, who are not part of a gender and sexually diverse community, I really love that term. I um, and that's used a lot in in the UK so um, I am amongst therapists particularly who work would with you, people would you say that again so that I can
2: gender and sexually diverse I, I, I hear that and you're right it's not proliferated in the states nearly enough
1: no and it's and it's one um Dominic Davis pink therapy uses it and in their training they use it. So you're working, you're being trained to work with gender and sexual diversity. And I love that because it says what it is and it includes a lot of things. Sure does. And so it makes it easier to say, when I say I'm a therapist and this is one of my specialties, you can find yourself in that more easily than I have to sit and list. I mean, you still do end up needing to say kink, um, kink knowledgeable and, 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 not, and work with non-monogamy, but there people can find themselves more easily in that than in the collection of letters. Um, but that's something that, that it, the, the idea of where you fall is fascinating to me. And so I, a lot of people feel that they need to nail it down. So if your identity is gay, that doesn't mean that you do, you will never sleep with someone of the opposite sex. And people don't get that. No, they don't. They don't have that as a concept. I, I know a really incredible, incredibly hot gay man. Um, I did a really good photo shoot. He was looking at my pictures. And my husband's in the pictures too. My husband's also bisexual. And he was like, I want those pictures. And I was like, oh, yeah, my husband's hot, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's not why I want the pictures, right? <laughs> like, I want that. You look really hot there. I want those pictures. Now, he is gay as the day is long. That doesn't mean his fantasy life doesn't contain women sometimes.
2: I think we like to compartmentalize everything about life and we like to do it with our sex and we like to do it with our identities. And, um, we become very tribal about those identities. I am gay, I am lesbian, I am whatever. Um, and I, I think that it's useful in discourse. It is not so useful in individual lives when you pen yourself in to, uh, an identity and a sexuality that doesn't allow you a year from now to change your mind. Yeah. It doesn't allow you to grow and change. And I'm not saying you have to change to grow. I'm not, I'm not equating. The no, t- but, but I do think that people uh, hamper their own sexuality by trying to fit into their own self-definition when that self-definition doesn't always apply.
1: <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so we're a uh, couple minutes, a couple minutes from break and, um, in the next segment, I want to talk a bit about um, coming out and what it looks like now, what it used to look like, and kind of some of the things that any tips you have for younger people as they're trying to negotiate this, this world as opposed to the world that you came out in. And then my world was different as well, because so, I think we're probably a generation apart. So remember that you can call in with questions and we're happy to answer them. Well, We also answer questions from email. So if you write to me at Loribeth at com, I'm happy to answer the question. You can also write in questions on any other subject about sex and relationships and they will get answered today or next week or the following week. We answer all of them. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after we hear from the sponsors. Thanks so much.
3: Explore your deeper desires, listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network
0: Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own throes of passion, waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. How do you feel about a
2: non-monogamous lifestyle? Does it sound enticing? Are you worried about what others might think? Your questions are answered on Sex Interrupted with Tara and James. It's a discussion about the swinger lifestyle, non-monogamy, sex, sexuality, and where it all fits in. All we ask is that you listen with an open heart and an open mind and you will find your desires and fantasies can come true. Tune in to Sex Interrupted with Tara and James every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex this week. It is L is for LGBTQ, and I'm talking with Race Bannon. Before the break, I said we were going to talk a bit about coming out this segment. So what was coming out like for you in your day?
2: Well, um, just so everybody uh, in your audience knows, um, I will be 65 in July. So I was born in 1954. So coming out for me was a a, a somewhat long, arduous process. I knew I was gay from probably the time, the age of eight or nine, um, maybe even seven. I was actively sexual with my fellow little friends who obviously were of the same ilk as a young kid. So I knew on a practical level what I liked, but it took me a long time to garner the courage. This is a Catholic raised boy with a Roman Catholic father schooled in a Catholic school, um, who's been told over and over and over, this is a very bad thing. Yes. So um, my process came out that at the age of 16, to a handful of people, I said I was bisexual. And I think in my case, uh, it was a stepping stone Mm-hmm. identification because by in my mind was better than being gay. Right. So um so that was my first step with uh, a handful of people, um not my parents. And it was at the age of 17 that I actually told my stepmother, who was a hairdresser, who had therefore worked <laughs> with a lot of gay men that I was gay and she wasn't surprised and then um finally told my dad. My dad being the saint that he was, um, pause for a moment and said, I love you anyway. That is not how it went down for a lot of people of my generation. Right. Right. It was pretty awful. It was pretty awful though. Uh, I know many people who were banished from the families. I know people who were written out of wills. I know people who have to this day, they keep angry letters from their mother and father saying, you are no longer my son or daughter. Yeah. Um, And, um, and we weren't even talking about um, people being able to come out trans back then. That was, that was beyond the pale for, that wasn't even on the radar for most people. Um, luckily today it is. So the entire range of LGBTQ that is possible today um, was, was a rough road to hoe back then.
1: And it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm um, 56. So I'm the, the generation down and um My brother's gay and he's um, so I was born in 63 and he was born in 65 and he came out when he was 17 and I was 19 and I had not yet come out, but he came out and so I didn't. And I remember saying to him, because you're gay and I'm bi, they're confused enough as it is. (laughs) I'm going to support you. Because they're upset. I mean, they were—they my parents were quite upset, um, and he off he went to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> to try Fuck. to be ungay, um, but during that time, give my parents their due. They actually worked through the upset um, and got behind him. And you know, my parents and my grandmother—they would march in all the pride parades and all of this they had difficulty with issues to do with his gayness at various points but um but really got behind him but he's also he's not he's a very vanilla gay man (laughs) he's an activist so sometimes he's flamboyant as an activist but like as far as his partners and things his relationships look really You probably hate me for saying this but they look really quite straight when he has relationships i think i was much more of a challenge my mother still hasn't accepted my bisexuality. She still like, um, I will get comments like, oh, why are you so dramatic? That's me being dramatic.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Or or why didn't you, wh- you have never brought home a woman. So, you know, this must be a phase or like expressing disbelief because I've never shared that as in brought home a woman. And it's like, well, no, I never brought home a woman because I, I saw the response. It wasn't worth it. I had the option to not have to go through that angst. My brother didn't. Yeah.
2: And I hear this over and over from pretty much everyone who is bisexual, that at some point someone has said, it's a phase. It. Um, are you going to make up your mind at some point? Yeah. I hear that from, from people's histories a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, or now you're married
1: you're not bisexual anymore right you're not
2: you're you're, you're married you're, you're with one gender therefore you must not be interested in the other gender um, all of this and of, you know of course it all flies in the face of reality and truth but but i hear it all the time and i and and, it, and it's unfortunate i think that gay gays and lesbians do benefit from how definitive a description that is and unfortunately bisexuals have a much wider plate on their smorgasbord (laughs) and therefore or you know wider options and therefore people think that oh you need to somehow choose
1: well i mean we actually get more of that i think these days i get more of that from the gay and lesbian community than i do from heterosexuals
2: oh i i do not disagree i have heard it consistently from my own gay lesbian camp shall we say um that uh you know bisexuals are 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 um, they need to make up their mind, they, they, they're really gay, or they're really less. You hear that kind of snidely often? Right. Yeah. I do th- hear it less today than I once did. So I, I give our culture its due that I think over time it is getting better. They're fully understanding that bisexuals are part of um, um, the, the, the um, full spectrum. And it may be that queerness has helped that.
1: I think so. I mean, it's certainly, certainly when I was younger, it was definitely a thing. I, I mean, women would say to me, you just haven't met the right woman yet. And, 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 I would, and My response to that was I love women and I also love Dick. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with meeting the right woman. Right? No, no, it's an appreciably different experience, but I hear less of that now, although people, and I was talking with a Tedster about this last night, who identifies as bisexual and we both said, you know, people try to figure out what our sexuality is based by the partner with, based on the partner we're with, and so it makes it very diff- difficult to feel comfortable in spaces because assumptions are always made. Yep, they are, and
2: I also think people are getting creative in how to express their bisexuality using other terminology so as not to set off the alarms that, uh, oh, bisexual, make up your mind or whatever. Yeah. Uh, example is um, people use the word fluid around their sexuality a lot. Yes,
1: now. yes.
2: And I think that's really <laughs> another tip to, to, to bisexuality on some level. Um, it's just saying it in a different way that maybe people accept it more. So, uh, uh, again, I think this queer... Um, umbrella term has turned out to perhaps benefit many people in that regard because they realize that you don't fit necessarily anywhere on the spectrum. You might fit many places on that spectrum because that's why you're queer. So let's let's hope that the trend continues that people accept bisexuals more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I wonder if, if, um, if youngsters now coming out are finding it easier to use terms that are fluid to avoid some of the, um, not only the boxing in, but some of the abuse that people get when they kind of firmly come out. I don't know what you think about that.
2: It could be. I also think that each generation likes to come up with its own terminology so that they can claim it as theirs. And uh, I certainly did it when I was a teenager. And and, and Mm. um, and I think that it may simply be them rebranding the same thing in a way that, uh, makes more sense for them. They're also um, living with the, the concept of fluid gender. And, yes. Uh, and th- so it's it's a little more easy for them to to use that, that term fluid in other terms to describe what we might say is bisexuality.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we're about three minutes from break. Um, and, and we're going to continue this in the next segment and move on to some of the challenges, I think, for the LGBTQ community in the current climate. Um, current not only political climate but cultural um, climate across that seems to be across the world at the moment um, and kind of coping in a world that um became far less liberal rather quickly it did i think
2: it did unfortunately yeah. we are we are work we the rise in nationalism um, the scapegoating of the other whoever yeah. the other might be. And of course, LGBTQ is one of the buckets of other um, yeah. people of ethnicities and faiths, et cetera. So I, I think that we are in what I hope is a blip in historical time. Um, I am hoping that, uh, that this is an aberration and not a move toward um, this being the new normal. Uh, and my best hopes are that we are indeed in a blip of time. Um, I, I, think that, I think this can be fixed if, 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 if to use, you know, uh, that way of That's saying, I, I hope it can anyway.
1: So we'll be back, um, in a couple of minutes after we hear from our sponsors, we'll talk a bit more about what it's like to exist. And as part of this alphabet soup in the current, um, political and, and cultural and, um, enforced moral climate.
3: Raving more from your sexy lifestyle search our businesses services blogs articles and videos and keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter all on thesexylifestyle.com
4: when the lights are off that's no reason not to light things up lube light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones no more slippery midsection unless you're into that You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. There's no judgment here, and every topic is safe and sex positive, so we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences
0: with your hosts, Taylor Sparks, Parrish Michelle Blair, and Jet Setting Jasmine. With
4: Marla Renee Stewart and Tiffany Janae, you won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Sexy Lifestyle Network.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This week is L, and L is for LGBTQ, and we're talking with Race Bannon. Um, Before we left on the break, I said we were going to talk a bit about what it is like to be part of this group of gender and sexual diversity in the current political and um, cultural and enforced moral climates. So you had mentioned uh, the new presidential candidate. Um, Yeah,
2: and privately before we came back on air, yeah. I, um, I mentioned that I think that uh, a recent development in the United States, uh, the uh, a potential candidacy of um, Pete Buttigieg for president of the United States, an openly gay man, a very smart one at that, um, has blunted some of the rights uh, uh, am- ammunition, if you will, for uh, the next upcoming election. I may be completely wrong. I may be assessing this completely incorrectly, but I do think that his middle-of-the-road politics, coupled with um, him being a gay man, to some extent blunts it. He seems to be appealing to even some of the moderate Trump-style voters. And so uh, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping that he's done a a great deal for, for the LGBTQ cause generally, simply by announcing and being so articulate and smart. Yeah, um, but but it's it's a rough it's a rough time to be LGBTQ in the world. Yeah, and even in the United States now. I live in California, so I am protected somewhat by a state that understands me perhaps more than some other states might. But uh, I think you are seeing you know rises in in gay bashings. You are seeing um, rises in yep. animosity toward LGBTQ people generally. Uh, and I think we are seeing a retreat from some of the advances we made. I think we're going to have battles in the courts because the courts are being um, uh, uh, loaded up with conservative judges, and they are going to make decisions on LGBTQ um, cases going forward, and they're probably often not going to go in our favor. So uh, I, it's, it's a rough time, it is both on an individual level and a macro-political level.
1: I'm. I'm really. I'm quite frightened about some of that. And I, of course, I live in in the UK. Um. Uh. But there are certainly the same sorts of attitudes. Um. Being evidenced in the UK, and it, it is quite frightening to watch. Um. How intense the swing to the right is, you know. It, it's. It, we often swing different directions in politics, but this the intensity of. And I, I called it enforced morality because that is how it it feels, um, and it's not the majority of the people, and that's what people miss. You know, I, always, I remember the bumper sticker many years ago that said, "The moral majority is a minority." You know, yep. <laughs> it isn't in fact, min- and it is, and and I do think I think if you're coming out. Um, and you're starting to try and negotiate your identity in this environment. It can be quite difficult because that's a time when people often don't have confidence.
2: I think right now is a difficult time for anyone, young person or, or otherwise, to come out um, because of the political climate we are in. Um, we have a, a president and certainly a vice president in the United States that is um, incredibly anti-LGBT. We um, we see a rise in um, sort of right-wing nationalist um, groups and movements um, in the UK, in, in a number of countries. So I, I, I think that we are, uh, I, I would not want to be a young person trying to come out today. With that said, we also culturally are seeing tremendous advances. It is no big deal to see... Uh, an LGBTQ person on a t- television screen anymore. Yeah. On a movie screen. And it is a, a regular topic of talk shows and no longer are we the weird people that they're talking about. We are simply people they are talking about. So culturally, we've caught up a little bit better than the politics. With politics, I always look to Malcolm Gladwell's uh, concept of the tipping point, that yeah. we there's always these tipping point movement m- uh, moments in all sorts of happenings in life and they happen politically as well. So you said it moved to the right rather quickly. And that's not unlike many trends in culture generally is that we've, we reach a tipping point for whatever reason and that tipping point pushes it over the edge and moves it ahead very quickly. That also means we could have a tipping point in the other direction. Yeah. That's, the, that's the hopeful side of me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and, on, and me too. Um, um, I, I'm very much a person who... Um, believes that people have a right to live their lives as they see fit to live their lives, as long as they are not actively harming others, you know? And so, um, and even that's an interesting uh, conversation because um, you have to define harm. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that is important to me that people have a right to express their gender and their sexuality and love how they wish. Uh, and I have a great deal of difficulty with people who believe that they know how I should be, and are are going to tell me so.
2: And I have tremendous faith in youth. I was just at a uh, a city college here in San Francisco uh, class talking to a group of young sexuality students. And the diversity and the savvy and the the bravery and the self-confidence that these young kids had around both their sexuality and their gender, was was remarkable and it was heartening and i do honestly believe that the younger generation is coming up in a culture that completely belies the political discourse that's happening at the top right that they they get it they get it they are letting people um of all types live their lives as they wish in a way that i don't think some people of my generation are are quite willing to do so i i do have faith Um, I don't think that it's still an easy road for a young person to come out today, especially in a more conservative area or in a conservative family. And I think that, uh, imagine, you know, uh, an evangelical um, family in some southern state, in conservative state in the United States, um, dealing with coming out. It's quite different than somebody coming out in San Francisco, for example.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, And I think I often get asked, by parents um, in terms of what do, you, what do you do and how do you handle this. And um, I, I think sometimes, depending on where people are from, is what they're looking for. Um, and there are people who are looking for me to tell them how they can get their child cured of their gayness or lesbianness or their bisexuality or any of the other diversities. And it's it's important to understand that this is not about trying to change somebody's sexuality, what you can do is, is provide lots of love and acceptance and go learn, go get good information so that you can have your fears dealt with. And also,
2: I think that especially when someone is young and coming out, let's say to parents or whoever, there is this tendency that does not happen with heterosexuals to immediately focus on the sex acts themselves.
4: Yeah. And,
2: and I, I always say, you know, if, if you're coming out to someone and they say, well, do you do this and this and this? And I said, I do not ask you what you do in the bedroom. You do yeah. not have a right to ask me what I do in the bedroom. I am simply telling you who I'm attracted to.
1: Right. I mean, it's really funny because this conversation has been has gone on during the week at various points because I'm very open about um, my sexuality and my lifestyle, and I am actually quite happy to talk about it. Um but somebody asked me last night whether or not I felt like I was sort of a zoo animal at times because, (laughs) you know, because like, it's like, well, well, what do you guys do? You know? And, um, I was asked about pain in particular. It was sort of like, um, one of the questions that I was asked was somebody actually asked me, well, so do you, do you enjoy the dentist? (laughs) (laughs) My, My dentist is one of my best friends, but no, I do not enjoy the pain at the dentist. Right. Um, In fact, I have to have lots of painkillers. It doesn't work like that, you know. To explain that, that was kind of an okay question, but people get even even more intimate. And unless I'm actually in an intimate conversation with somebody, it's sort of like if I turn around to you and say, "Well, you know, how do you like to have your dick sucked?" You know, it's like you'd be like, "Why are you asking me that?" It's none of your business. This idea, and people often ask. Women who have sex with women, heterosexual men often ask us how we have sex. Yep. (laughs) It's a curiosity. You know, well, how do you have sex? What do you do? (laughs) I don't know. What do you do? (laughs) It's private. You want to know how I have sex? You need to be one of my sexual partners. Otherwise, I'm not not, not discussing it. So I always find that fascinating that there is that different. we, We would never ask a heterosexual person that. No, we wouldn't. And,
2: and I do think that there are the subset of us, I'll, I'll put myself into that category, uh, like you that are quite willing to talk about mm. specifics of our sexuality. I'm, you know, I'm quite openly a- and, and, vocally, you know, um, gay, poly, kinky, I mean, a bunch of other things. And, um, and I think by our comfort level, with being able to talk about that, we model it for other people and hope that they can talk about it as well. With that said, nobody has a right to ask you specifically what you do in bed. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. And I, and, I, and I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, if you have a health question, by all means, um, but um, think about it, how you would feel if somebody asked you the equivalent question. And would you just want to answer a total stranger about... You know, what What gets you off in detail? Not like, what do you like in general terms, but what actually gets you off in detail? Would you actually want to answer that question if a total stranger walked up to you, whether or not you had permission to ask questions?
2: Or imagine a coworker asking that. You're in a work environment, yeah. and you don't know if that information is going to be used as ammunition in some way.
1: No, uh, seriously. And I've a- been asked that in a work environment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and I- it's sort of like... Yeah, um, I don't think I'm going to answer that question. So, we're about um, two, three minutes from break, and um, we'll have one more segment left. Um, If you've got any questions, last-minute questions, now is the time to get them in. Um, I did have somebody ask for some tips about meeting people in today's environment, besides meeting them on an app and online. So, we will talk a bit about that. Great. And um, I will also um, do a shameless plug for one of our sponsors, which is Nadia in New Orleans, which is in July, and I'll give you the details of that when I come back. It's a fantastic takeover of a good bit of New Orleans. It's well worth going to. So we'll talk about that when we get back to.
3: Explore your deeper desires, listen, learn, and live sexy here on the Sexy Lifestyle Network.
0: Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to go to mysteryvibe.com
4: now for your pleasure personalized are you ready for your erotic journey Join host Lexi Silver every week for SDC's Seek, Discover, Create the Radio Show. Whether you're new at this journey or well traveled on the sexual road, we'll help you find your way with guest experts and hot topics about sex, relationships, and your health. You can also connect with the communities of SDC.com for even more advice and discussion. Listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. This week it is L is for LGBTQ and I am talking with Grace Bannon. And this is the final segment of the show. Before we went to break, I did say that um, I wanted to talk about Nadia Orleans, um, which is July 24th to the 28th this year. It's the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. Usually over 1,300 couples. It's a full takeover of two of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, and it takes over Bourbon Street, too. There's loads of events and there's a big parade, of course, because you're in New Orleans. You can expect a parade. If you want more information and you want to book a place, do visit the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. It is a um, fantastically fun event, well worth going. Um, so, uh, we were talking about tips for meeting people that somewhere other than offline in apps, so
2: um, I I have had to acknowledge that younger people going forward have come out in a digital era mm-hmm. and they are using technology as the main mechanism to make initial connections. I think for young people just coming out, it's incredibly valuable. They have a plethora of information that we didn't have as well as connection resources. There's a downside to that too. Um, I do think that if we use technology, whether it be a hookup type of app or it be uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever we, we use, Snapchat for really young people, um, that we use those mechanisms to foster an offline face-to-face. Yeah. So I am a big fan of people creating um, meetups and things like that using technology, and but making the physical space where, you know, they meet being a face-to-face thing. Secondly, I think that when, especially young people when they're first coming out and they say, well, how do I meet people? How do I get involved in this community? And how do I find myself? One of the very first things I say is, find an LGBTQ organization and volunteer. Yeah. Every single one of them needs volunteers. The moment you volunteer and you plug yourself into that network, that small community of people that are working on that project, that club, that organization, that event, whatever it is, you have built a support mechanism and a way to kind of find yourself while you're helping out. And by helping out, you also learn a lot because you have to when you're helping out some sort of a cause or organization or club. So that's one of my other big tips is to volunteer in some sort of LGBTQ realm and I think the benefits of that are not only that you know you're helping, but you are giving yourself solid, real-world information to sort of move yourself into this LGBTQ set of communities and find people and meet people. And who knows, you might find dating partners in this in this pool. Yeah, I mean, you 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 can't um, you can't catch fish unless you find the right pond.
1: Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, and I do think it is quite difficult as somebody who. Um, also came up before um, we had the internet and apps. And I mean, I, I found the other day, I was going through some diaries and I found an ad that I wrote for the village voice <laughs> seeking partner. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. I was I like, I remember uh, those days. <laughs> and, and I was like, what is this? And then I realized what I was looking at. Um, and that was how I found, um, that was how I found my first um, BDSM partners. And that was how I found my first, um, female partners was with an ad in the village voice. Um, and, um,
2: a little harder than today.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. Seriously. And you corresponded and you sent pictures and then hope the person actually looked like their picture. Oh, oh
2: not only that, I remember I was I, I would find people in the back of Drummer Magazine with an ad. Oh. And back then they would code everything. There were no names used. Yeah. And you would use a number or a box or something. Yeah. And you would send to the box and they would and they would reply. So it was completely anonymous going back and forth. Completely until you made a specific kind of connection. So it, it was a lot of letter writing. Back then.
1: And then we, and we also, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So the connections, by the time you actually met face to face, I was living in New Jersey um, and going to high school and, um, and the village voice was in, in, in Greenwich village in New York city. And so it was, you know, finally making the connection and going into New York city, into the village to meet someone usually at McNulty's coffee. Um, that was like my favorite meeting space to start. Um, but it it was a very different world. So I've always been much more partial to meeting people face to face and not tremendously comfortable first meeting someone online. But I also recognize that, that people coming up today, that's their first port of call.
2: Yeah. And, and especially young people that have not really figured out how to navigate this as well as perhaps some of us more seasoned (laughs) folks um, have Uh, and uh, citing on the air of caution, meeting, meeting offline in a, in a, in a space, you feel comfortable, et cetera, is a really good idea. Um, And uh, seeing if you have any common connections with the person. Uh, I I know this flies in the face of instant hookup culture and I am not against instant hookup culture. I think it's great. Um, But that's best navigated by people that have been around the block a few times. And so um, I, I do err on the side of caution with, with, with people who are new to this community.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I think there's stuff you can get out of instant hookup stuff. But I do, I do think you need to have your wits about you and you need to know how to protect yourself. And, um, and that takes some time um, and some learning. Um, so if you're just starting out and you're not really good at setting boundaries, instant hookup culture is kind of dangerous.
2: It is. Yeah. It is. What, one more bit of advice around uh, people trying to find people, um, and I am assuming often that this is younger or just coming out people. That may not always be the case, but I'm going to assume that in this case, we are we are challenged in the LGBTQ community by a crisis of real estate. Um, our our bars and our physical spaces are closing mm-hmm. at the same time, while our online connectivity and and you know other things are, are growing. So what I think a lot of the LGBTQ community has moved to is what I call intentional events, intentional spaces. Yeah. Let's take a really big one, all the pride events. Yes. Um, I don't think, I think for a young person to, especially from maybe a small town to travel somewhere and see a pride celebration and be with tens of thousands of people just like them or similar to them and feel accepted. And part of it is incredibly empowering. Yeah. So, um, and uh, we have um, bowling clubs. We have, um, qu- you know, singing choruses. We have book reading clubs. We have all sorts of, you know, little uh, subsets of people in the LGBT community that do specific things. Yes. Cycling clubs, etc. Joining one of those is a tremendous way to meet people and to develop a sort of a core center of friends from which you can meet other people. Yes. So it's that's my other bit of advice.
1: And, and I mean, my always my piece of advice is the same This piece of advice as I give to heterosexual folks looking to meet people, which is if you're going to do activities, do something you enjoy. Don't go yeah. with the idea that you're looking for a partner. Go because you enjoy the activity, and you're going to meet friends. And then if you meet somebody that you happen to really fancy, that's great. But otherwise, you get a good friendship group going from which you end up meeting other people. And there are so many different um, opportunities within the LGBT communities to do different hobbies where people band together because they want to be doing the hobby with somebody that loves the same way they do. They want to be doing the hobby with people who have similar attitudes and similar interests um, in other parts of their lives.
2: Yeah, commonalities are what bond people. And um, and I, I think your advice is is... Uh, very astute to not go looking for a partner to let that be a side side effect. If it happens, I think it's part of the human condition that when we're looking for relationship partners, we don't find them. And then when we're not looking for them there, they are right in front of us. And
1: they fall out of trees then.
2: Yes. Yeah. For some reason that seems to be uh, a truism. So, so uh, I think it's good advice.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Um. we are uh, a few minutes from close. Um. Again, if you have any questions and we didn't get to them or you didn't get them in in time, Please do feel free to send them in. I will answer them next week or in the weeks coming. Um, If you've got an idea for the show, do send it in. If you'd like to learn from me face-to-face, I'm going to be teaching a bunch of workshops in London between the middle of May and the middle of August. Um, I'm teaching workshops and giving talks at Women's Emporium in London. That's SH with an explanation point point women's emporium in london um and um they're going to be a lot of fun and also i will be at desire in palm springs in june and then at southeast leather fest so if you want to connect you can connect with me then If you want to find race head over to his website and that's a really good way to make contact so again that's .um, www.bannon.com my engineer is making fun of me at the moment. So that was where stutter came from.
2: <laughs> and, and if anyone does contact me through Bannon.com, um, there is a, a contact form on there. And if people have questions or need to be pointed to resources, I, I take pride in being a linchpin in those communities and I'm more than happy to do so.
1: That's brilliant. And thank you so much for coming on and joining me again this week. Oh, I, I, I love my time with you. Thank you. Have a fantastic week, guys. Um, and go out and make some hot connections. See you next week.
5: Hey sexy people If you're ready to start your sexual evolution We've got some amazing prizes to give away Some of the great prizes include Womanizer, the most advanced pleasure product For stronger, longer And more intense orgasms SDC.com is giving away A lifetime membership To the sexiest online community Of open-minded people Touch from experience, warm It warms your personal lube Then automatically dispenses it With a wave of your hand and we can't forget throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets. For your chance to win one of these amazing prizes, simply send us an email at info at with the word contest in the subject line. Your name will be entered into the weekly drawing, and remember to visit our website regularly for a list of the winners and more information about all the amazing prizes and sponsors. Go to the sexylifestyle.com contest page and enter as often as you like
0: we hope you learned something today but if you have more questions go ahead and email them to Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on the Sexy Lifestyle Network see you next week
4: When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe.
0: Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to forms go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure personalized